exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Ferencu. I will be your host as usual for this next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are we doing today? Getting over my sickness, but I'm getting there. Getting over the cold? Yes. It's terrible. Am is I the old? fluctuating weather doing yeah, it to you? Yeah, my nose is so dry right now. It hurts to smile. That's rough. <laughs> it is rough. Plus, it's windy outside. It's, it's very, just like last Monday. It was crazy windy it's last like, Monday. And I have long hair, too, so I'm, like, walking down the road, and I got, like, hair all over my face, and I'm trying to cross streets without running into cars. It's not good. Sounds pretty dangerous. It is dangerous. Headband. I know. Right? Headband. Still, I got to pull it back completely. All right. Well, that's good to hear. (laughs) So you had a nice weekend, then? Yeah. Other than being sick? Other than being sick, yeah. I got a lot done, too. I mean, I'm done with half of one of my finals, so I'm excited. Great. I know. It's my heart. Almost fun. home, right? Yeah. Almost home. My professor, she came and told me, because I was at an award thing yesterday. You passed. I'm like, yes! That's all I needed. That's, that's all, I all I needed, needed to, to hear. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. And we actually have some special guests here in the house tonight. Uh, Zach, nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, not a problem at all. We also have Jeff here uh, sitting in here with us today. Jeff, great to have you on. Thanks a lot. Not a problem at all. And we also have John on the show here with us. John, nice to have you on as well. Yep, thanks. Excited. Good stuff. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about on today's show. We're going to be getting into uh, Big Ten ticket prices. Uh, The Big Ten has announced uh, raises in their ticket prices for college football games. So we're going to let you know kind of how expensive that's going to be and whether it's the right move or not. Is, you know, this something that we should be holding against Michigan State in any way for how high these ticket prices might be. John L. Smith, somehow now the coach for the Arkansas Razorbacks. They decided him, gave him a one-year deal for an interim coach. Kind of talk about that very briefly and whether Arkansas is making the correct move in regard to that. We'll also be talking about the Detroit Tigers sweeping the Kansas City Royals last week and then being hosed by the Texas Rangers. We'll get into that. And as well, Brandon Inge. I hate keep bringing up Brandon Inge. I hate it. Mm. But we need to talk about Brandon Inge because we can see from game to game the crowd is booing him. It's getting worse and worse. What do we need to do with this guy? We'll also be talking about the NHL. Red Wings losing in five games on Friday night to the Nashville Predators. Talk about that series, what the Wings need to do here in the offseason with the cap space they have. Some of the other series going on in the NHL as well. We'll talk about the NBA. Pistons only two games left in the the regular season. They actually just tipped off right now against the Indiana Pacers for their second to last game and we're going to talk about Meta World Peace as many other people know him as Ron Artest which is his real name in my opinion and we'll talk about his elbow uh, to James Harden and how uh, violent it was and what kind of suspension Ron Artest should get for this we'll also talk a little NFL draft for you draft series on Thursday night Lions have the 23rd pick in the first round talk about some of the guys they should be looking after and position wise don't forget the phone number 517-432-3893 is the number give us a call all show and let us know what you think but we're going to start off with the big 10 and the ticket increases in prices uh the big 10 has decided uh not every school in the big 10 but the schools that really matter namely <laughs> michigan state and michigan teams here in this state have increased their ticket prices and a quick example the michigan michigan state game on october 20th which will be in ann arbor it's going to go for 95 dollars 
just to get into this game. Okay, season ticket holders for the Michigan State have to make a donation to the Spartan Fund for the right to buy tickets. That's the thing the Michigan State Spartan fans need to do. Need to make sure they have a donation to the Spartan Fund. This is what Mark Hollis, this was announced back in January, but I don't know if a lot of us even knew about it then until we've seen the ticket prices go up now. Um, if you look at some of the big schools around the Big Ten, Ohio State has the highest season ticket holders for them. Uh, $560 along with a, at least a donation of $1,500 at Ohio State for season tickets. Michigan a little bit cheaper, but a six-game season and ticket package $390 with the donation ranging from $50 to $500. The Big Ten now has the second highest average cost per ticket for its premium games at almost $65 per ticket. The Big 12, the only conference higher with an $87 average for their premium game tickets. Megan, let's talk about this. The economy's not doing great. They want to kind of pretend the economy's doing a lot better, but let's be all, all seriousness. It's not doing that much better. Is this fair to the fans? Is it fair to the alumni? Is it fair to people that don't have that extra buck in their pocket to go see their team? Depends on what they're raising them for. I mean, I know MSU raised theirs because they're building new scoreboards. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what they're saying is why they're doing it. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I've read that's somewhere. Def- that's definitely part of it. I think so. And so I know they've raised student tickets, they've raised season ticket holders, they've raised single price tickets, or single game price tickets. There we go. And you know, it's fair in the fact that it just depends what they're putting it toward. I don't know what Ohio State's putting theirs towards. I don't know what Michigan's putting their extra money towards. Do they have something in the works? Like, what's going on behind the scenes there? Um, I mean, like you said, the economy hasn't gotten totally better. It is a little bit better than it used to be. Without a doubt. I mean, this yeah. is in 2008. No, it wasn't. That was terrible. But, yeah, back in, like, 08, you know, if they would have done this, I think people... The, the stadium wouldn't even be full. Wouldn't Not be anywhere near full, I don't think. And I think it's okay for them to do it, but like I said, it just depends what they're doing it for. Are they doing it just more revenue to go toward the athletic program so they can maybe buy new jerseys? Or I don't know what they're doing it for. I think that's a good point. Here's a quote from Mark Hollis. He says, quote, we want to compete at the highest level. We want to be in the middle of the Big Ten Conference. We want to have broad-based programs, and we want to be able to be competitive, albeit not at the top in compensating coaches, end quote. Because I agree with your point completely that if you're going to be using this money to improve Spartan Stadium, to improve, you know, just... You know, basically having a better venue for your fans and for your players, so you're for your program in general, that's not a terrible thing. You know, Jeff, Zach, John. Well, I think you also have to kind of take a look at the product on the field and how the ticket price for the students is like, what, $15 more? Uh, I believe, to this r- year? Yeah, roughly right around there. When you've won 11 games for the past two seasons, and obviously with the appearance of the Big Ten Championship game, mm-hmm. winning the Outback Bowl, Michigan State football right now is a better product than it was however many years ago like talk about John L Smith when John L Smith was there so this this kind of thing tends to happen when when the, nobody else is going to not pay the extra 15 bucks from a student's perspective the example you used of the Michigan State Michigan games kind of a little extreme but it, it's also a reality it is but i think that when you take a look at how much better the football program is now then I think that they might have the right to raise the ticket prices that much more. I know one thing is I didn't even blink an eye at paying an extra 15 bucks to to buy my to renew my student tickets this year. Yeah, everybody brings up the fact that the ticket prices have gone up and then you ask them if they bought tickets, everybody still says yes. So obviously they're still going to have packed house with people still begging to buy tickets outside the door. So I think 
And I think that's a great point uh, that you made, Jeff, in the fact that when you have that great of a product out on the field that, you know, you are going to have to charge more. This isn't a team that went 4-0 and under John L. Smith and then ends up finishing 5-7. and right. uh, This is a team that's won consecutive 11 games, two seasons in a row, championship game last year. You kind of have to have that if you're going to be among the elites of the Michigan, of the Ohio States in the conference that already charge way more than we do. Ohio State is, I think, the most lucrative football program in the Big Ten. And yes, so when Urban Meyer wants to come, they can say, oh, yes, you can. we can pay you this much money because, you know, their ticket price is obviously so high and they make that much money. And I think Hollis has a good point when he's saying that, obviously, hopefully D'Antoni's not going anywhere anytime soon. But if later on programs need to, you know, recycle coaches and hire new coaches, and we, I would imagine Michigan State would want to be able to compensate the best coaches in the country. And so, you know, maybe this is, I think, a step maybe towards – towards being able to do that. I think it is, and if you want to be considered elite in the Big Ten, you're going to have to do things like this. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to raise in ticket prices. You might have some people that might be kind of, you know, taxed out of that bracket where they can't afford the season tickets, and, you know, that's an unfortunate reality to the world we live in. Everyone's not as well off as others, but, you know, the school has to do the best thing for the program, for the players, for the coaches, for everyone here, if they're going to be considered elite. Something we've talked about a lot, Megan, is that fact of, when is Michigan State going to jump into that elite conversation? Right. To do that, you need to have some of the best facilities. You need to have the, some of the best players, coaches, and people around you. I think this is a great co- quote here from Mark Hollis in regard to the situation. Mark Hollis says, quote, As we look at the past, we've had four tremendous years. I think as an AD, anytime you have something that happens positive, it comes at a cost. That cost is to continue to provide top-quality facilities, be able to enhance the fan experience through things as big as video boards, as small as restrooms. Everything in between needs to be addressed at Spartan Stadium. It's going to take resources flat out. My hope is Spartan fans will understand the plan that has been put forward and what we think the end result will be, end quote. I don't know if Spartan fans are too keen on the luxury items, but, I mean, we've all been to Spartan Stadium, and we know that... The inner concourse of Spartan Stadium is by no means, and personally, I don't mind. I kind of find that quality to be a little bit, you know, nostalgic a little bit. It, it's 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 like it's kind of how I think stadiums should be, but a lot of other people don't necessarily feel that way. And you know, the bathrooms are kind of crummy. The inner concourse is kind of crummy. And when you're a college student, it doesn't really matter. But a lot of people now, I mean, we see all these new stadiums, you know booming up like in Dallas and in New York and I guess when it these renovations well obviously we only have the um, the scoreboard renovation now but, which is good they needed to is, redo yeah, exactly. that they really needed to yeah and so more hopefully more will come and I think that if if that means having to pay a few more bucks for tickets as a student, I, I'd, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, and I think if what it takes for fans is to maybe budget their money a little bit better and the tickets mm-hmm. are more expensive, then you plan for that. If you want to go to that Michigan-Michigan State game October 20th, then you're going to put away $100 to buy that ticket and have the opportunity to go to that game. I just thought it's pretty funny if that game, which yeah. Michigan will sell out. They will definitely sell out that game. At $95 and 115,000 seats, they'll make $10 million. On that game. All I was thinking about was the Ohio State student tickets, or I'm sorry, season tickets as you were talking. They're crazy expensive. 500 and some dollars, and then you have to donate 1500 bucks. At least at Michigan's like between 50 and 500 No, nope, you have to give me $1,500 in order to get your tickets. I'm like, Over a $2,000 investment. I'll be, I'll be like, I'll make myself food and sit on the couch and watch you guys at this point. <laughs> or I'll just buy them by the game or something. I don't know, because it'd be cheaper even to just buy them by the game. Exactly, like that. and that's everyone's right. I mean, there's a lot of games sometimes. I'd rather watch it on the television 
option than yeah. even go to. Yeah. There are those games where I'd yeah. just rather be on my couch and be able to hear the commentary and be able to see the whole field rather than be in some <laughs> nosebleed section. Huh. But uh, we are going to move on past that. John L. Smith, a name I hope never to mention again <laughs> on this program, um, is back in the news. He has actually been named the interim head football coach at Arkansas. Uh, Bobby Petrino was fired about a week and a half ago after uh, lying to his you know, athletic director. He was basically having an affair with this 25-year-old developmental coordinator, whatever position that really is. Uh, this 25-year-old girl ends up getting fired from Arkansas after a great season. Petrino had a great season there at Arkansas last season. And now John L. Smith, who coached the Michigan State Spartans from 2003 to 2006, um, is going to be their head coach. I think we all remember John L. Smith, 22 and 26 overall, overall here with the program in his time. In my opinion, always was known for the man who started 4-0, 5-0 with their non-conference week schedule and then just completely fell apart when they played anyone with any kind of talent whatsoever. Real fast, just as a group, do you think Arkansas made the right decision here at all? I mean, it's a one-year deal. It's not like they're putting a lot of faith in this guy for a long period of time. I actually kind of do. I kind of do. I know John L. Smith is not a good coach, and that's, I'm not saying that at all. But you take a look at Arkansas, and they're very talented. I mean, the talk as Petrino was coming out is that it's so tragic because that team has national championship talent. And John L. Smith, I think the stat is like eight or nine of the coaches on that staff have worked under him before. It's a familiar face. It's a very talented team. They kind of had to fire Petrino. Well, I don't know if they had to, but I think they were right in doing so. Yeah, I think so. I think that mm-hmm. it, it took some guts on the, by the AD, but they, they did it, and I think that was the right decision. And I think if you're going to hire an interim coach with a talent that Arkansas has— to do it, to take have a guy that's familiar to a lot of the players, familiar to a lot of the coaches. I know here in East Lansing, he's not very, you know, as he shouldn't be. He was not good when he was here. It was, but I think that when you have a familiar face, that helps when you have a team that's good. Yeah, he was a special teams coach from 09 to 2011 mm-hmm. with Arkansas, so he's familiar there with the program. Do you like Arkansas's decision, Megan? It's only a year. I guess that's how I'm looking at it right now. If he he falls apart, he falls apart. I mean, when I played sports in high school, we had those kind of coaches, too. Oh, we're going to put them in for a year, and then they'd always end up leaving because they weren't that good. But, you know, we'll see how it works out. I mean, if he's a familiar face and the kids like him, then... Maybe they'll win games for him. We will see. I think that Arkansas has got a lot to deal with. Uh, I just uh, I found this funny quote that I forgot about from 2005. Um, while John L. Smith was walking off the field at halftime of the Ohio State game, uh, John L. Smith was asked by a TV reporter about the failed field goal attempt. And the quote goes, quote, the kids are playing their tails off and the coaches are screwing it up, <laughs> end quote. So we'll see what happens with Arkansas here. Uh, John L. Smith, wish you all the best of luck, I guess, and the goofy grandpa can have a fun time out there with the Razorbacks. But uh, looking forward for Michigan State, Michigan State's actually going to be having their spring game here, their final one of the season on Saturday, April 28th. That game, uh, it says on here that it's going to start at 1.06 p.m. Kind of weird. I don't know why it said 1.06 <laughs> online. Let's just guess 105, but it'll be their final spring game of the season. Uh, admission's absolutely free. A lot of places you guys can park for free as well. So if you want to check that out, should be a good uh, final spring game of the season there for Michigan State. Uh, so definitely take a look at that if you would like. Again, that's going to be Saturday, April 28th, this Saturday at 106 p.m. So we'll definitely check that out if you would like to. Also, in other Michigan State news, uh, Adrian Payne, uh, this is an article from the DetroitNews.com. He was involved in a car accident Friday in his home state of Ohio. Um, team spokesman Matt Larson confirmed that Payne was completely uninjured. The accident occurred on Interstate 70 in Montgomery County. Payne said, quote, I'm a living testimony. I should not be here. God bless me. I was in a car accident. Someone hit me on the highway 
end quote. MLive.com reported that a county dispatcher said a deer ran out onto the road and caused the accident. But Adrian Payne is fine, so that's great to hear. Yeah, I just saw him today. He looked fine. Looked absolutely fine. Yeah, he Wasn't just, missing an arm or anything. No, no, he okay. looked fine. No bruises, nothing. And he was just talking to Jeremy, my boss, at ten, and he just said he's fine. He's just mad he doesn't have a car. I know that's what he's been tweeting out. I know that feeling. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's like, man, I don't have a car anymore. It's oh, rough. Yeah. Good thing he's okay. Any accident on the highway, very dangerous. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, great to hear that he's all right, because I uh, don't want anything like that to happen to somebody. So a uh, good thing Adrian Payne is all right. Uh, we are going to move on past Michigan State, but again, if you guys want to call in about that, 517-432-3893 is the phone number. We're going to move on here, though, to the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers, who uh, you know won their final game of the series last Sunday against the White Sox to avoid being swept, getting back to 6-3 and three as an overall record. Well, they started off great last week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they were still away at Kansas City and swept the Kansas City Royals. 3-2 to win on Monday. Verlander got his first win of the season and then they beat uh, Kansas City again on Tuesday, 3-1 to with Dotel uh, getting the win. And on Wednesday, Scherzer got his first win of the season in a 4-3 to victory. So a real nice job by the Tigers. Bats still not alive in that series, but pitching really doing a good job and defensively holding Kansas City back from getting any wins in that series. We fast forward to Thursday through Sunday, a very difficult series against the American League leading Texas Rangers. Uh, Hands down, in my opinion, the best team in the American League, whether it comes to pitching, starting pitching, the bullpen, the hitting, this team's firing on all cylinders. And I think we saw it, especially in the first two games of this series. Tigers getting waxed 10-3 on Thursday night. You Darvish absolutely dominating uh, Tigers uh, Tigers batters, not being able to get it done. Adam Wilk doing a decent enough job. The bullpen completely letting this game get away, giving up six earned runs in five innings. Absolutely terrible performance. Friday's game was postponed due to, uh, due to rain. And then on Saturday, they played a doubleheader, which if you saw the first game of the doubleheader, I feel bad for you because uh, Porcello was absolutely torched in this game, only went one inning, gave up uh, uh, eight earned runs, gave up ten hits. He only went an inning in this game. Dwayne Beal, though, the shining little light from this 10-4 loss. He went six innings in relief, only gave up four hits, did a great job out there on the mound. No earned runs for Dwayne Belo. And then the Tigers finally salvaged a victory in the night game of the doubleheader. Verlander getting his second win of the season. 3-2 to two was your final score. Verlander battling Neftali Feliz. And then on Sunday, in the game we're really going to talk about specifically, Tigers lose a heartbreaker 3-2 to two in 11 innings. Uh, you know, we saw some great stuff from Drew Smiley. I think Smiley looked really good out there, only gave up one earned run. He's had two really good performances. Uh, you know, we, we saw we saw Weber, who we had picked up. We had sent down Daniel Schlereth. We got Weber. Kid came in there in a tough spot in the 10th. I think he did a pretty good job for having his first career start. But what changed this game's dynamic was in the top of the 11th, bases loaded, no outs. Alberto Gonzalez goes for a suicide squeeze bunt. It ends up bouncing off his knee. A run scores, but the umps didn't catch it. Bounce off his knee, and the Rangers go ahead three to two. Tigers did a nice job getting out of that jam, only only giving up one run with those bases loaded and no outs. But nonetheless, Tigers come away with a loss three to two. We all, if anyone saw this game, the second you see the replay, you know for a fact it hits his knee. Unquestionable, immediately you just know it did. My question is, does baseball need to improve the replay system? Do they need to change? We already see the reviewing home runs, the reviewing foul balls. You know, and foul. You know, if it's going to land foul or fair in that territory. Do we need to be doing something else though in reviewing scoring plays, or maybe even giving managers 
challenge type, you know, challenge flags like football? Or should we just leave it as is? It's human error. It's fine. I think you have to stop replay at some point in baseball because baseball is already such a slow-moving game that you you get to the point where obviously technology is such a it's it's something that we now have that baseball has not had. Obviously, it's such a historic game. So I think home runs are fine. But if you say if you start reviewing other plays, then where is it going to stop? And then eventually you're going to be reviewing balls and strikes and games that already take three hours. They're going to start to take three and a half, four hours. And already kind of a culture, I think, that's being shut off to baseball because it's so slow moving and because we are now such a fast-paced society, I think you're going to start to see if games start to take any longer than they already are, especially in the regular season when, let's be honest, if you play 162 games, a lot of those games that you're playing in June and July are not going to be as important. And if those games take three and a half hours, I don't. I just think that instant replays is good in small doses, but you really have to stop it somewhere. So I mean, you're fine with just home runs. That's yeah. and we're good with that. Yes, nothing more. Zach, what about game changing plays like that one, for example? Completely change the outcome of that play or outcome of that game. Uh, I don't see why they shouldn't be able to at least have somebody up in the booth watching over it. A fifth umpire. Exactly. Someone just, if there's something that obvious and that, like... Like you said, game-changing. Exactly. Yeah, like going back to the Brewers games, like the play-at-the-plate, the the game-winning hits or whatever, like walk-offs when it's close with the catcher, that kind of stuff. But, like, going back to what he said, um, worrying about, like, taking it too far. If you go too far, you could worry about taking basically umps out of the game you take out the guy at first guy at third you just use cameras as his eyes basically and you don't need them then you take home plate out they say we can just use the pitch trackers that we got now those are pretty accurate sometimes people say they're better than umps so take them out and then what's baseball without umps like yeah i think kind of completely changed the game in a way and it's like totally different totally different era so you got to be careful about that kind of stuff if they ever would go to a computer Calling balls and strikes will be the day I stop watching baseball. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. And I don't think they'll ever get to that. I think that you can shore up instant replay and still avoid overdoing instant replay. Yeah. I don't think baseball's overdone instant replay at all. And I think we, if we, you know, we all saw that Los Angeles Dodgers, Colorado Rockies, 2008, you know, final, you know, playing game of the season. Matt Holiday slides home. He doesn't right, touch yeah. home plate. Yeah. These types of plays. I think any scoring play like that should be reviewable. I don't think it takes up too much time in the game. Like I said, you mentioned the fact, Zach, having that kind of fifth umpire up in a booth. Well, they immediately call down and say, it hit his knee. The game over. Okay, foul ball. All right, we're going to go mm-hmm. back and we're going to play this you know, right away again. Yeah, Megan, you, with instant replay. I mean, I know nobody wants to take it too far, but at what point are we missing plays that, you know, this is a game the Tigers necessarily – not they wouldn't have won one necessarily, you know. They still it still was a tie game two to two. Still would have been two strikes, three guys on base. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, I don't mind his suggestion of having the fifth umpire, like you guys were talking about. But uh, but I also have to go with you too because where where doesn't end? Like you know, where do you say? Oh, you know, this is a game changing one or this isn't. Like what constitutes one of those is what I want. Like I know you're saying get bases loaded. You know they're tied three three hits his knee like that's obviously a game changing one but then it's like what about I don't know I can't really think of an example right now off the something top of my head in the first inning yeah something in the first yeah. inning and the bases are loaded like is that a game changing play well I think to avoid that you know this game changing play type deal that you do give then you give each manager one challenge 
for the whole game they have one challenge they can use at any time just one and if you know you have that type of play that Leland would have used it on then you have that one for that just one a game I don't think that's going to slow your game down too much. You're still going to have your calls at every base. The ump's going to make those calls. The ump's going to be calling balls and strikes. What about a controversial strike call, though? Are you talking about, like, can you use um, the challenge on balls and strikes, or is it just simply a... I would say it would just one. be for, you know, basically a scoring play, just okay. for, you know, being safe at a bag. I don't think it would okay. ever constitute balls and strikes. I think that yeah. stays with the home plate umpire, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. You're not thinking, like, challenge that if you win it, you get another one or anything like football, No, right? not at all. Okay, <laughs> not at all. You win two challenges, <laughs> give them a third. No, you only have one, and you use it at your discretion. You might not even use it at all. But I think there are times, especially when we get to the playoffs, where if a play like this happens... We're, yeah, sure. It's we're only 16, 15 games into the season. Not that big of a deal. Let's say this happens to the Tigers in the ALCS. Then what are we going to be saying? Yeah, that's true. So I just think that you know, baseball is always so, so slow moving about ever implementing change, mm-hmm. and we're not going to see anything at least until 2013 in regard to instant replay being changed. But I think it's something they need to at least take a look at. And start thinking about it's it. Because really. we have so many old guys in the sport <laughs> that are like in management positions, G or GM positions, running like the whole entire board. Baseball's got it, it's just a, it's the mentality of baseball that it's, it's, it's the America's old. It's, yeah, it's America's pastime. Yeah. It's this classic game that we don't want to mess with. Right. That the purists believe that it was fine for Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. It should be fine for Albert Pujols and everybody else here today. So baseball, I just think they need to take a look at that. Because I'm not completely burnt up over it. I don't blame the ump. I understand. I mean, you, you, he's not going to be able to tell from his angle. He's a human, right? Yeah, he's not going to be able to tell from his angle if that happened. I've forgiven, I've forgiven, forgiven Joyce okay. for Galarraga <laughs> being host. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've forgiven Joyce. Boy. But at the same time, we can, you know, if that one challenge, you know, flag existed, then maybe we can challenge that play real fast and say, hey. Perfect game, Galarraga. One, one little thing you about the, the challenge, though, this is a little bit nitpicky, but in football, yeah. when you challenge and you lose a challenge, you lose a timeout. Yes. But in baseball, there's nothing. You don't have a set number of timeouts. So would you True. implement a <laughs> penalty? Like, what, like, what would it, like an out? Uh, like losing an out or like what? Like, I don't think so. I think I think you have a challenge. If you lose it, you lose it, and you don't have it for future, you know, later in the game. I think if you just lose it, you lose it. And if you win it, you lose it. So yeah, if you win it, it's gone as well. And then if there's another play, well, then too bad you can't challenge it anymore. Yeah. Mm. But I don't think that's too far reaching to just give each uh, you know each skipper one challenge yeah, and no, see I where mean, they take it. Use your challenges wisely. Exactly. <laughs> the Tigers uh, do have the day off today. They're uh, resting Brandon Inge. <laughs> no. Wow. Way to get into the next topic. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Inge. He's uh, doing batting practice right now. Hopefully, he's batting over 59 at this time. But the Tigers will kick off their uh, next series here at Comerica Park against the Seattle Mariners. That'll be tomorrow night at 7.05 p.m. They'll play Seattle in a three-game series Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Your afternoon game coming Thursday at 105. Uh, the start off the series, Scherzer will battle out against Vargas. Then we'll have Adam Wilk on the mound against Felix Hernandez and then Porcello will be able to go against Noesi. So it uh, should be a good series. Seattle, not the best team hitting. Um, they've never they're a team that always struggles, I think, with batting right now. They rank quite low. They rank 11th in the American League with runs scored, you know, OPS, batting average in general. Uh, Seattle is a team that struggles with that. But at the same time, they are a good pitching team. And Vargas, Jason Vargas and Felix Hernandez, both with guys, ERAs under three right now, and both guys with whips almost. One of their, um, Vargas's whip is under one, and Fernandez is 1.02. So, again, we're going to have some good pitching battles here in this series against the 
the Mariners. The Tigers haven't scored more than five runs since last Sunday in a game, even in a winning performance. So the Tigers are going to need to honestly figure out their bats. Prince Fielder only going 3 of 15 in that series against Texas. And don't get me wrong, Texas has a great, great pitching. Uh, you know, whether, again, Joe Nathan, their closer, Mike Adams in the bullpen, These, this team is stocked. But at the same time, the bats need to come alive here because with Ryan Rayburn batting 73 and Brandon Inge batting 59, there are problems. I wouldn't be too worried about the Tigers offensively, though. I think that in April, things just kind of... It's, it, it's it's a long season. That's what I'll say. There's talent there. Oh yeah, long season. As long, I'm, I'm more worried about if I'm a Tigers fan, the people behind Verlander, who you know sometimes has been a little bit spotty starting behind Verlander, which is this season has been actually pretty good. So if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm happy about that. I know the bats are going to pick up. It's only April. Well, bad shit. I mean, Fielder Silly is batting 317. Cabrera is right. batting 290 right now. I mean, these guys are doing good. Jackson, I think, is still doing a really nice job uh, batting out there. He's batting 274 right now for the season. Real fast with Brandon Inge. This is a guy that we've seen. You just hear it now. He's getting booed. Cat calls. It's just bad. It's, it, it's, it's at home. This isn't on the road. This is at Comerica Park. What do you do with Brandon Inge? Do you send him back down to Toledo, bring up Danny Worth, and say, Brandon, go work on your swing? Or do we just keep throwing him out there to the Wolves? And it's just it's conversation fodder that people keep talking about. I think it's become it's starting it's going to become a distraction sooner rather than later about Brandon Inge. I think it's already a distraction. Okay, it's see, been a distraction for years now, and it slowly went from about like it, it used to be like fifty fifty. There's a ton of people who liked them, ton of people who didn't like them, and slowly it's getting worse. And now, as you see with the booze, it's getting like people like are 80, fed up. Twenty ninety ten. We don't like this guy. We want this guy out. And he kind of deserves it, the way he's been playing, the way he's been playing over the course of these past couple of years. And he's just been on down, down slope. second? Well, I mean, there's a well, yeah. plethora of options at second if you bring Danny Worth back. But then why do they have Danny Inge at second? If there's a you can play Santiago there. I mean, you can play Santiago at second. I don't want Rayburn at second. I want Rayburn gone. You could That's play Rayburn at second. Gone. <laughs> but I'd rather have Inge gone before Rayburn. Yeah. yeah. Still rather have Inge gone. I mean, it's just... Well, we talked about this. You and I both wanted Santiago at second, but for some reason... I'd rather have Santiago at second. He doesn't get played as often at second as I think he it's should something be. with Leland. Leland just won't let him. Well, he likes him. Something with Inge, oh, something with Raver. Zero for 20 yeah. at bats, and then he hits a grand slam. I'm going to play him every day now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch for Rayburn in July. That's the only time it seems like Rayburn will start doing anything. In the major Ugh. leagues. Quite ridiculous. Detroit Tigers are 10-6 and six right now. They have a half-game advantage over the Chicago White Sox and only a one-game advantage over the Cleveland Indians. The Kansas City Royals can't buy a victory. They've lost 10 straight games. They're 3-12 and 12 overall right now. And Minnesota not too much better at 5-11. and 11. One of their worst starts in about uh, a little over a decade. Uh, Minnesota not doing a great job. But Chicago, right on our heels. They've won three straight games. And Detroit's going to have to get back in the form against the Mariners. After that, the Tigers will have a very difficult series traveling out to the New York Yankees to face off against the, to face off against the Yanks Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Should be some good games. Friday's game will be a night game at 7.05 with Verlander facing off against Nova. That'll be on the MLB Network. And then Sunday's game will air on TBS, 105 start time, Scherzer versus Sabathia. So it should be a very good season, uh, series coming up here this week between Seattle and Detroit and also Detroit and New York. So definitely check that out if you would like. We are going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports. 
Sports Wrap. When we get back, we're going to dive into a little bit of the NHL. Red Wings out for the first time in the first round since 2006. What is wrong with the Detroit Red Wings? We'll get into that and some of the offseason moves we would like them to make. We'll also talk a little NBA. Ron Artest, or Meta World Peace, as he likes to be called these days, is throwing elbows and some violent ones. How many games should Meta World Peace get? We'll also touch on the the NFL draft. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only Impact Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back here to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBME Slancing. Uh, the first half hour, we were talking about Big Ten college football ticket prices going up. Uh, a little bit of John L. Smith now being the interim coach at Arkansas. And we also got into the Detroit Tigers. 10-6 uh, and six now, uh, lost uh, three out of four games to the Texas Rangers, and now we'll start a new series with the Mariners here on Tuesday. So if you guys have any comments on that, still give us a call. 517-432-3893 is the number. But we're going to start now with the NHL. The Detroit Red Wings played on Friday night, Game 5, down 3-1 in this series after two tough losses at Joe Louis Arena. And the Detroit Red Wings looked sluggish looked tired, did not seem... They were outmatched, I feel, this entire Game 5 against Nashville, and they end up losing 2-1 to one after tying this game up 1-1 to one late in the second period. They give up a goal 13 seconds into the third period. David Legwan, a Detroiter himself, gets the game-winning goal, and Detroit loses in five games. Again, first time since 2006, the Detroit Red Wings have been bounced out in the first round. They lost to Edmonton in six games in 2006, and also I think we all remember 2003 being swept by the Anaheim Mighty Ducks after winning the Cup the previous year. Detroit is going to have 20 to $22 million of cap space here to find some free agents to really make this team a lot better. They're older, they're not as fast, they're not as physical, and they can't score as well. I think we've seen that. Franzen, pretty much an absent from the playoffs. Only one goal in five games. I know it was only five games. Injuries, Datsuk not looking the same throughout the rest of the season. Lidstrom also dealing with that high ankle uh, injury, which limited him as well. Danny Cleary having his knee drained every night. Darren Helm not even being able to play the entire playoffs. What do the Red Wings do here going forward, Zach? I mean, the Red Wings, they have glaring issues. Last three years straight knocked out of the playoffs. Well, I say if we have the opportunity, keep Lidstrom, obviously, and then uh, I guess get younger at the defensive position. Uh, I feel like that was our main problem throughout the playoffs. There was dumb mistakes on dumb turnovers right next to Jimmy Howard, right in front of Jimmy Howard by our, by our defensemen, and I think it would help a lot to get 
But we also need more offense now that I'm thinking about it because uh, Pavel Datsuk only had three points throughout the whole playoffs. Uh, Henrik Zedberg had three points and everybody else. We only had a couple people with two points, and everybody else had one or zero. So yeah, non-existent offense. I think we saw a lot of times. Great job, you know, getting into the zone. And let's give Pekka Rene a lot of credit. The guy played like a monster, and he is a monster. He's six four. He's huge. He's absolutely huge for a goalie. But defense-wise, you talk about Nick Lidstrom. 41 years old. He's going to decide in the coming weeks if he wants to come back to the Detroit Red Wings. We all want him back. We all love Nick. I think we all love Nick. How much money do you pay Nick, though? I'm thinking only if he's not willing to take, like, a hometown discount, I say let him go and do everything good, like Iserman, retire his number, captain, everything. Make him. What's your hometown discount? Thinking anything below, like, three, two, five. But, like, if he realistically wants to win, I think he needs to do it. Because if that's what he wants, then we need to bring in a suitor or Parise or something like that. And in order for that to happen, he needs to cut his money. So if he really wants to win, then he needs to think about that. And if he's not, then I think we should let him go and start a whole new era because – it's been three years of this same team, same kind of output in the playoffs. Yeah. Kind of old, kind of slow, not really putting it together. We need to redo it, bring in something different, just make a big change for once since we haven't – Red Wings haven't done that since, like, the lockout. I completely agree, John. I completely agree. I think uh, the 2 to $3 million you could pay Lidstrom, you, you can't pay him 5 or 6 and get away with being able to sign a Ryan Suter, being able to sign a Zach Parise, who are both expected to be free agents. Uh, at least that's what the sentiment around the league is. It's not for sure, but um, it looks like those guys will be available. Zach Parise, who's an offensive left winger, a uh, very good, uh, good player for the New Jersey Devils. And I think we all saw what Ryan Suter did, um, a really good defenseman, not the you know, brash and you know, you know, verbose uh, Shea Weber, but Ryan Suter, a very talented defenseman. Brad Stewart's a free agent. Brad Stewart might not be here with us as well. Think about going back to San Jose. That's what I heard too. Yeah, he might not be around. Uh, Yuri Hoodler. Do you guys want to sign, resign Hoodler, or just say, I, "Hey, Hoodler, if that's time to one, go." If that's one of the things where you want money, I say let him go because mm-hmm. he just had the big season, which is good and all, but that means he's wanted, and you can probably get rid of him easily. And I just say let him go, keep his money go spend it elsewhere and just re-up. Definitely. I mean, I think those two guys that are available, Parise and Suter, I mean, definitely good pieces. The Wings need to spend money. I I think they need to be bold here. I think they got hurt by, you know, not making any moves by the trade deadline. Teams like Nashville got better. The Wings stayed stagnant. They didn't do anything, and I think we've seen this team that got knocked out last two years in a row by the San Jose Sharks in the second round after a tough series against the Phoenix Coyotes, and now you see what happens here. Bounce out in five games by Nashville, not getting it done. Bottom line, old Franzen, Franzen the mule, love the guy, but again, yeah. you, you can't decide, you can't make you know personnel decisions based on liking a guy. And I think that's what we've seen, not going back to baseball, but why Brandon Inge is still with this team. Because, you know, Illich loves the kid. Mm-hmm. He absolutely loves this guy. And I think that's why you see him stick around a little more. Here's a quote from Ken Holland in regard to what he thinks this team needs to do. He says, quote, certainly we want to make some changes to our team. But first off, the league is wide open. Pittsburgh, San Jose, and Detroit are out. It is hard to build to to the last four or five years, and it's hard to have depth. We've got to do some tweaks and make some moves, but I think we can compete with all the teams in the West. End quote. Lidstrom is turning 42 next week. 
do you guys just as you know hockey fans watching this for a long time do you think nick comes back just just your gut instinct gut, gut instinct yes i think he comes back so at the discounted hometown rate probably because i don't see them paying I, him five or six yeah i think it's the last last year takes a discount it's gonna he's gonna play it out he's gonna do the best he can give the money back to the team try to be the best player he can and then kind of say like this is the end this is my last year going into next year not do the whole thing where he's playing and mm-hmm. come back next year think of it all think about it again go through it. it i think he's going to come back this is just my gut but i think he's going to come back take the discount and then just say this is my last year let's make this team good zach and, yeah i also think he's going to come back but i think that we're going to be surprised at how much money he gets i bet he gets around the five million mark that's what i was thinking that's what scares me. Yeah. That's what scares me. Yeah. Don't overpay this guy. I completely agree with you guys. If you're going to bring him back, he has to come back at a discounted rate, or you're not going to be able to pick up these other guys. And I don't think it's enough to just pick up one of them. Mm-hmm. I think you need to almost get two of those guys, get the Parise, and get Suter. But we'll see what happens. Nick Listerum will make that decision here in the coming weeks, so we definitely will uh, be you know, letting you guys know about that without a doubt. Uh, looking at some of the other series going on in the NHL right now, the Los Angeles Kings beat out the Vancouver Canucks, the number one seed President Cup trophy winning Vancouver Canucks going down in five games to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Jared Stahl beat out Corey Schneider with a wrist shot, 427 into overtime to get the victory over the Canucks. Uh, Canadian team is gone. Only one Canadian team left, the Ottawa Senate Uh, Looking at some of the other series around the NHL as well, the Philadelphia Flyers got the best of the Pittsburgh Penguins finally in a game that was low scoring in comparison to the rest of the games in this series. Uh, 5-1 was your final score there in Philly. Philly winning in six games. Uh, Great job there. Can't stand Pittsburgh. I don't like Philly much either, but I hate Pittsburgh. Can't stand those uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And Boston, uh, the Bruins, who uh, obviously had won the Stanley Cup last year, forced a Game 7 last night uh, in over time getting the game-winning goal uh tyler segwin getting the goal uh four to three is your final score there the bruins and the capitals will play game seven this wednesday night that's going to be at boston uh some of the other games uh tonight the rangers will be playing the ottawa senators that series ottawa leads three to two at this time another eight seed looking to best a number one seed that game puck dropped at 7 p.m check that game out if you would like and the night game tonight is phoenix at chicago the coyotes lead the series over the blackhawks three to two right now and the only other series still going on the florida panthers and the new jersey devils a series that not many people are watching not many people are talking about but florida's winning florida's up three two in this series against the new jersey devils so that game will be tuesday night if you like to check out that series as well and the st louis blues will be facing off against the los angeles kings in the second round that's the only matchup that we know of as right now jumping forward to the sport of the nba And if anyone was watching ABC yesterday, some great basketball, Los Angeles Lakers versus Oklahoma City Thunder. It was a fantastic game. Lakers down by 18 at one point in this basketball game. Kobe Bean Bryant comes out and shows why he is the man. The best player in the game, Kobe, in clutch, gets it done. And they get a victory, 114-106 to in double overtime. Uh, Kevin Durant and Westbrook uh, really silenced a lot throughout a lot of this ball game. Westbrook was like 3 for 23. Yeah, pretty bad. He He got to the line in that first overtime, got to the line, really, you know, was, you know, strong at driving the basket, but shots were not dropping for the Oak uh, Oak City. 
But that's not what everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Not, not many people are talking about the Lakers and their great performance against you know Oklahoma City. We're talking about Metal World Peace. Again, this is Ron Artest. Ron Artest, after dunking the ball with a minute 39 left in the second quarter over Kevin Durant, makes a very boisterous move and swings his elbow, hits James Harden right in the side of the head, practically in the ear as well. James Harden goes down to the ground. He's laying on the ground for an extended period of time. They had initially ruled that he might be okay to come back. Come to find out, he does have concussion-like symptoms, a concussion. No idea when James Harden will be back. I think a lot of people saw this play. Saw what happened here. We all remember Ron Artest from Malice at the Palace in 2004. I think we all can remember that if we were all uh, Piston fans in any way. How many games does Ron Artest deserve? Are we going on NHL rules for suspension? <laughs> Not at all. Or, okay. Not at all. This is NBA. <laughs> what happens? He so got a flagrant two. He was ejected. Base it off. You know how injured he got? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> gosh. You know, it's, it's a little difficult. I would maybe say, like, just because he did it on purpose. Well, might... see, that's the question, too. Yeah. I mean, did he swing his elbow trying to hit James Harden, or did he realize maybe Harden was there, didn't think he'd hit him? I mean, there's a lot of conjecture uh, with know. that. I don't know. His, his was it on purpose? I don't know. I think it was. I think it was you think purpose. he slammed him on purpose? He, like, yeah. he like touched him, so he had to have known somebody he was, close was there. to him, too. So, somebody, yeah. somebody was there, but he still did the... And also, never in my life have I ever felt so happy that I need to celebrate by flinging my elbow like that's just never really been like it wasn't my go-to move when i'm happy it wasn't him just spinning around and his elbow nicked him in the head or he just caught him or something clipped him it was he cocked it back and kind of like you felt like he knew exactly where his head was and i'm gonna do this yeah and and then on top of it you know if you if you feel yourself elbow someone in the head you think you'd go back and maybe try and see if they're okay and help them up but he's just like still pounding his chest going down the court and they're like oh then they eject him he's like what like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, flinch. Yeah, dude. Like, I, if that was me, and if I did it on accident, not knowing the guy was there, maybe that's just because I'm a nice person. Maybe you guys are nice people, too. I don't know. I would go back, and His I would at least... His name is World Peace, though. He's, he's got to be a nice guy, right? Metal World Peace. Come on, now. Um, but I, wouldn't you guys do that, too? Wouldn't you at least go back and be like, yeah, all right, sorry, I didn't see you there. Like, I, don't, I don't think there's any way that that wasn't on purpose. I know. Like, like it's almost, it's almost oh insulting to our intelligence that he would pretend like it wasn't on purpose. purpose. Well, here's the quote from Ron Artest. They spoke with him in the locker room after the game uh, in regard to the play. Ron Artest said, quote, and I'm going to keep calling him Ron Artest, by the way. Uh, Quote, during that play, I just dunked on Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka, and I got really emotional and excited. And it was unfortunate that James had to get hit with an unintentional elbow. I hope he is okay. The Thunder, they are playing for a championship this year, so I hope that he's okay, and I apologize to the Thunder and to James Harden End quote. Was his body numb? Like, was he not? Was he? Did he have so much adrenaline going through him that his whole body? Possibly. Ron Artest is that kind of guy. He's not always been emotionally <laughs> stable. <laughs> He's not been the most stable guy. Uh, but what I want? How many games does he deserve? I mean, we've seen suspensions throughout the NBA at times. How many games do you guys think? I mean, kind of just go down the line. If you were David Stern, how many games would you give him? Uh, someone else can say if they want. And real fast, I just want to have this said. The Lakers have one regular season game left, then the playoffs start Saturday. Maybe I'll play off. One regular season game, uh, then the playoffs. How many games does he get? You start. Well, <laughs> Zach. We'll go with Zach thing. first. <laughs> Last year in the playoffs, Andrew Bynum like, ripped J.J. Barea out of the air. Yep. He got five games, Yep. but that was five games on the start of the season. So since it's playoffs, I would suspend him for the whole entire playoffs. But honestly, who knows? So you're laying the law down. Zach's not tolerating anything. All right. He's laying the law down. What do you think, Jeff? I say at least 10. 
and if it was more than 10, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's the 12, it's the 13 prior suspensions for other things. He's, he's including the malice thing. It's over. He hasn't learned anything, apparently. I mean, I know he was being he was being better. He was being more upstanding. He I mean, he won the name. Citizenship Award uh, last year. Yeah, but he... <laughs> in the NBA. Apparently, though, it's not all there still. Because that was... If you actually... If you watch it, that was pretty ridiculous. And so I think Ted, at least, if it's more... If it was the whole playoffs, I wouldn't really have a problem with it. Okay, so you're saying 10, but if it was the whole playoffs, you don't yeah. have a problem. John? I'd say the same thing. The whole playoffs do this last game and then knock him out for the whole playoffs because like he's had his chances and obviously he has his reputation and I think before like it's different he's not different but he's had like a fight or whatever and the palace was obviously ridiculous but he's had his little brawls and stuff where he got a couple games but this was like intentional where he wanted to hurt someone severely he gave this person a concussion it's kind of like you can't. You're not allowed to play basketball anymore. We're taking you out. So I think he should be knocked out for the whole playoffs. And that's that's my opinion. I don't think he'll get that. I think he'll. Yeah. Get, what do you think he'll get? I think he'll get like four or five four or, or five games. Because that's what everyone's saying. There's people were on ESPN today were thinking, what do you think they're going to get? Three, four? And I'm like, what? Three or four? That's it? I'm like, I want ten or something at least. Because yeah, I mean, Jay Adane you... said by the rule of the NFL code book that he should get two. Yeah. Like, but when you watch it, it's. It just—it so hurts to say. Well, it's, it's, it's to every time I've seen it a million times, and I cringe okay. every time I see it. It's right. a very violent non-basketball play. I think we can all admit that. Is the worst. It is the worst. I think he should be suspended the first series. I, I'm content with that. Knock yeah. him out of the first series. And I've heard different ideas that hey, if James Harden can't come back, you know, if he can't come back, then. As long as Harden's out, that's how long our test should be out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of fair as well. That's yeah. fair. I, I think that's quite fair because Harden is an integral piece to Oklahoma City. He is one of the. He's a solid, solid player for Oak City, and I think we saw that they missed him in those. You know, in the final, you know, four quarters that they played roughly in that ball game. But I would say one series for our test, and then he can come back. And obviously, I think his his reputation is what's going to really make this suspension. I think what it is. Will Ron Artest be remembered as a dirty player or as the NBA champion, NBA Defensive Player of the Year in 2004? He's been an NBA All-Star, two-time defensive all-team, but he had the malice at the palace. He'll be remembered as malice at the palace. Yeah, dirty. Always. And he's done a great job to try to clean up his reputation. I don't think Ron Artest is necessarily a bad guy at all. I just think that he can't control himself emotionally and that's dangerous in a game like basketball. I think it's dangerous in any sport, and that's why to really teach him another lesson, uh, one more playoff series for that. Again, the the, uh, playoffs are going to kick off Saturday, April 28th. That'll be your uh, opening round series. The regular season ends Thursday, so not too much time in between the regular season ending and the playoffs starting. The Chicago Bulls right now, the one seed over the Miami Heat there in the Eastern Conference. Chicago's your one seed, Miami the two. Indiana has locked up the three seed. Boston is your four seed. The Atlanta Hawks five. Orlando Magic six. The Knicks now seventh with the Philadelphia 76ers only a half game behind the Knicks to try to grab the seventh spot. And the Bucks, I guess, 
technically still in it. <laughs> three games back of Philly with three games left. San Antonio now has a one-and-a-half game lead over Oklahoma City after their win yesterday. They beat down the Cleveland Cavaliers, who doesn't these days. And Oklahoma City, again, one-and-a-half games back. Lakers are your three-seed. Clippers your four-seed. The Memphis Griv- Grizzlies five. Denver six. Dallas seventh. And the only spot up for grabs still is the eight-seed in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns one game behind the Utah Jazz to garner that eight spot Phoenix and Utah do play on Wednesday. See who takes that eight spot. Should be good. I root for Phoenix over Utah. We'll just see what happens there. Gotta like Steve Nash. Well, why not? The guy's amazing. <laughs> At his age, what he's doing? Gotta give him credit for that. A little recap on the Pistons. The Pistons uh, absolutely beat down the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Tuesday, April 17th, uh, Cleveland lost 116-77. to At one point, this game was 100-50 to in the third quarter. A 50-point lead for the Pistons against the Cavs. An absolute beatdown in this game. And then they go back and get their own butts walloped on Wednesday night, losing 116-84 to to the Atlanta Hawks. Tracy McGrady, the high scorer there for Atlanta, 17 points. And then the Pistons lose. This was a back-to-back-to-back. They played three games and three nights. They lost 91-80 to to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But the Pistons did get a win here last night against the Toronto Raptors, 76-73 on the back of Ben Gordon. Uh, so a three-point win there. Pistons, again, like I told you, these tipped off at 7 p.m. They're playing the Indiana Pacers at Indiana, and they'll close the regular season out on Thursday at the Palace against the Philadelphia 76ers. That'll be an 8 p.m. tip time. So Pistons, 4-20 and start, 20-20 and since then, 500. It doesn't take a lot to get better to get into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, in the NBA in general. So let's hope the Pistons can really have some success in the lottery and draft a number four guy, a center, a power forward. They need more size. Hopefully the Pistons can get there. But we're going to talk about the NFL draft uh, real quick. The NFL draft will be Thursday night. The first round will be Thursday night at 8 p.m. Radio City Music Hall. The Detroit Lions with the 23rd pick in the first round. Lions obviously looking at cornerback positions, possibly off offensive tackle positions now since Michael LaShore likes smoking weed Javid Best has concussions we might need to pick up a running back somewhere in there where do you guys like Detroit to go here with their first pick just in general I mean let's talk about that I mean like I said we obviously know we need cornerbacks any specific guys that you guys think might be available or that the Lions definitely should be targeting thinking like Drake Kirkpatrick out of Alabama if he okay. drops down at cornerback mm-hmm. he's a big guy uh, physical. That's kind of what we need. Another like Lewis Delmas, kind of scary cornerback who can do that kind of stuff. He's raw, but if he drops that far, I'd love to have him. I was gonna say, is he gonna be there though? Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't that's know. the thing. Will I he be who there? I wanted, not yeah, who, who we wanted? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because at the twenty third pick, who knows who will be available? Right, right. You never know. Marty Mayhew has said he's interested in four to seven guys, nice. so it depends who's available. I don't know. I I wouldn't go running back. I don't know about a specific player. It's very hard to kind of predict yeah, that. Yeah, yeah let's so, get away from a specific player. What's the main position that you want to see filled with that first pick? I think corner, definitely. I wouldn't yeah, take okay. a running back. I understand about the, the whole running back, but whole running back dilemma that they have right now, but the thing about a running back position is that it's very dispensable nowadays in the NFL, and I would never, well, not never, but I would not spend a first-round pick on a running yeah, back. Especially after the Lions. I just, I think that you could, you could find a running back that give you 1,000 yards if you don't throw the ball 600 times like the Lions do, uh, and, um, you can find somebody like that off the waiver wire, like tomorrow. Or you can take it to the third or fourth round. I don't think that you go the running back first round. I think they definitely have to go something corner. I have no idea who's going to be there. 
Would you be upset if they took an offensive tackle? Someone like, you know, you like Stanford's Jonathan Martin or uh, Mike Adams. I I don't think Adams would be available. Right. But would you be upset with an offensive tackle position with the first pick? That's such an important position. No, I I definitely wouldn't be upset at all. Okay, I mean, you're talking talking about a guy you might have for 10 years on your line if he's that good. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to take an offensive tackle. That might even, like, help out our run game. So, I mean... Without a doubt, I just and I definitely want to see the Lions pick up a running back later in the draft. They do have seven picks here in the draft this year, a decent amount. They'll have the 22nd pick in the second round, and they'll have the uh, 20, uh, thir- 22nd pick in the third round, the 22nd pick in the fourth round, uh, the 23rd pick in the fifth round, and then they'll have two picks in the seventh round. So uh, a lot of options for uh, Detroit there. Uh, Marty Mayhew and Tom Lewin have done a great job two consecutive years drafting. And Dominican Sue, we see what they've done with Matt Stafford. Calvin Johnson, I know that was a little further back, but still they've done a great job there. So again, the first round will be on Thursday night, 8 p.m. After that, you'll be on Friday night. (laughs) Rounds 2 and 3 will be Friday night at 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, rounds 4 through 7 will be at noon. And from what I've heard, they're going to try to, they're only going to have like a commercial the first break in that first round, and then they're going to try to go commercial free the rest of the way. In the first round, I can't tell you what they're going to do the rest of the rounds. But uh, we still have some time. NASCAR for all of our. you know, fun drivers out there that I, just love. I know. Everyone loves this breakdown that I give every week. I know they do. I, listen, I thought your breakdown was great last week. <laughs> Thank you. I all. really <laughs> think so. I'm not. I really think so. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay. So last week we had Kansas, um, the STP 400. Your winner was Danny Ham- Denny Hamlin. Yeah, it's you been got different it. people like every single time, except for we have a double with Tony Stewart and a double with Matt Kenseth. I think those are. Or wait, three with Tony Stewart. My bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, so, I mean, it's been a different person almost every time, so it's been pretty cool. And what, well, Martin Truex Jr., I heard uh, him and Denny, Denny Hamlin were really battling it out there for first and second. Yeah, .7 margin of victory. So, pretty close. Pretty close. Um, your top five, you got Denny, Martin Truex, Jimmy Johnson, Matt Kenseth, and Greg Biffle. And you know what? Our boy Dale can't get a win for the life of himself. He's top ten machine. Yeah. But he's, he's not a winner. Seven. Can't win. I can't get it. I can't. I can't. Don't get it. He needs to win something. But, um... Next week, you'll have NASCAR Spring Cup Series 400 at Richmond. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is really bad, guys. Um, I'll give you a top five standings, what we have right now, because Dale keeps going down. He was, like, second for the longest time. Now he's in fourth. Really? Yeah. Well, that's not bad, though. Fourth isn't bad in no. points. There's a lot of the season. Yeah, he only he only went down one, I think, but it, he keeps going down instead of staying in the same place. Um, Greg Biffles, one. Martin Truex Jr., two. Matt Kenseth, three. Dale Earnhardt, four. Denny Hamlin is five. I mean... You know what I'm just happy about is the Bush brothers are, like, low, like, teens. You know, because last year they were always in top five. They had a great year last year. Yeah, and, well, then What's-His-Face got in trouble, kicked off his team. I think it was Kyle. Was it Kyle? Pretty yeah. sure it was Kyle. Picked up, and now he's actually doing well again, so whatever. Um, yeah, so just look, look for I heard it was a pretty aerial, uh, not many cautions in this race. There uh, were two three. weeks in a, I mean, that's two weeks straight now, combined five cautions. That's not like NASCAR. One of them were eight laps, though. Was okay. eight laps, so I don't know what it was for. I mean, the rest of them were like four. One was three. Like, I don't know why that one was so long. I wonder if it was like debris because they, they might have to stop races for debris. But I, they have to at a point. I mean, I know yeah. one of the costumes was for Juan Pablo. He got into the wall at one point. Yeah. But I'm just impressed with two weeks in a row that NASCAR has had a total of five cautions in two weeks because usually mm-hmm. it's around seven to nine mm-hmm. in NASCAR every week, and that's why I can't stand NASCAR. Well, it was fourteen lead changes race. too. It really wasn't. These races are so boring. 
Like, 14 lead changes and three cautions? Well, hey, if you want to see a good race. Oh, God, you're not going to get Next it, no. week. <laughs> if you want to see a good race, next week, IndyCar will be back. Uh-huh. Sao Paulo, Brazil, one of the longest straightaways on a road course. It's going to be a great race out there in Brazil. Should be uh, noon to 1 o'clock uh, start time for the race. They had a week off here last week, so they'll have a race here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and then they'll have they'll be off until the Indy 500 Memorial Day weekend. You love that stuff now, don't you? You. I'm getting into it. I can tell. You bring it up every week now. Well, if you're going to talk about NASCAR. you got to talk about IndyCar. I'm going to talk about IndyCar now. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, I'm giving it a try. I have to. And you're liking it so far. I really am. Way. It's exciting. It's exciting. Right? I love open wheel racing. I, it just, I, it's a lot more exciting. I've been playing this video game, or I have before, and it was like an IndyCar game. Mm-hmm. That's a fun game. Because you have to like shift and stuff. You use the paddle shifters. and you, That's like, pretty you cool. Have a paddle. It's cool. Well, That's for all of our fans of MSU Wrestling, which... Probably not a lot, but there's some. Uh, John Jones uh, faced off against Rashad Evans in UFC 145 here Saturday night. John Jones, who was, he had held the title. Uh, Rashad Evans lost in a unanimous decision. John Jones getting the best of him in the five-round title bout. Uh, John Jones with an 84-and-a-half-inch reach. Rashad Evans only a 75-inch reach. Uh, The longest reach ever for John Jones. The guy's a monster, 6'4". He's a great fighter, and, you know, we all love Rashad Evans, but... Hey, John Jones can't deny that guy. To go with that, Nick Simmons, who was a four-time All-American here, um, was one match away from making it to the Olympics in London this summer. Really? Yep. He yeah. lost. He, they do best of three, and he won the first one, lost the second one, and lost the third one. Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners for uh, tuning in to tonight's program. We'll have a brand new show for you next week. We'll see how the NFL draft worked out, how the Tigers are doing these days, and what's going on in the NBA playoffs. Again, those kick off here on Saturday. Should be uh, pretty exciting. Uh, for everyone here at the Spartan Sports Hub, I just want to thank you very much. Uh, Zach, Jeff, John, really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Definitely, Thanks. yeah, been definitely been a pleasure. Uh, for everyone here at the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Verinku. I'm Megan. And you guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.